0: Well, thank you all so much for coming to be a part of our service today, to give God the honor and the glory and the attention that he is due, as Phil talked about, as he led us through the song per- portion of our service. Because God's the one that's worthy of all my attention. God's the one that is that I should be following after, that we as Christians, as the church, or really anybody, even people who aren't following Jesus, should be. And that's where we come in. It's our job to tell people that they need to be following Jesus. Now, we do that while we balance grace and truth, and we call that as Christians love. Love is the perfect balance of grace and truth. If you're too much grace, you divorce the teachings of Jesus from what he said. And if you're too much truth and you don't have any grace with people, we like to pretend maybe like, I don't mess up, but I do. And we know that we all do. So as we extend the truth of the gospel to other people, we do that in love as Jesus did. And the ways that we want to do that are the ways not just to teach what Jesus taught, but to go about doing what Jesus did the way that he did it, by investing in other people's lives, by being connected with one another intricately as the, the bride of Christ is the metaphor that the Bible uses, that God uses to talk about what the church is and what we followers, Christians, disciples as the church are supposed to turn around and go do. Now, I want to tell you a story what happens, this is the very beginning of Jesus' ministry, as we have that recorded in the Gospels, and God charged and inspired by the Holy Spirit, a physician to write this account in this story of Jesus. And he tells us some about the forerunner, John the Baptist, who would come before Jesus to prepare the way as was prophesied in the Old Testament. And then it tells us about the birth of Jesus, and it tells us about the temptation of Jesus, and the bapti- Jesus is baptized. And he begins what we would often call his formal ministry that lasts three years or so according to God and his word from what he told us in the Bible. Now Jesus had already started performing some miracles and then again he comes. And on this occasion, the people were crowding in around Jesus to hear the word of God. And he was by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw on the side of the lake that there were two boats and the boats were empty for the fishermen had left the boat. They'd gone to wash their nets. And Jesus got into one of the boats. The boat belonged to Simon. And Jesus asked Simon, He said, Simon, push away from the shore so that I can teach. And Jesus sat there in the boat and he taught the people. And when he was done teaching, he turned to Simon and he said, Push out into the deep and let down your nets to catch fish. Simon responded to Jesus. He said, Master, we've worked really hard all night. We've toiled all night. We've done that already. And quite frankly, I'm exhausted. But because you asked me to, we will. So Simon and his fishing partners let down their nets into the water. And the nets become so full of fish that they can't get them up into the boat. So they call over their partners, the other fishing boat, and they come over and they let down their nets and they catch so many fish that they pull the fish up into the boat. And the boats are so full that they begin to sink. Simon sees this. And he and all of the others are so amazed at this catch of fish. And he falls down at Jesus' feet. And he says, depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinner. James and John, as partners in fishing in the other boat, that were piloting the other boat that was also so full of fish it began to sink, were amazed. And all of the people were amazed at this catch of fish that Jesus had these fishermen pull in. And Jesus turns to Simon, sometimes we call him Peter, he has both names in Scripture, and he says, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And as soon as they got back to the shore, they left their boats and their nets and all that fish, probably more than they'd ever caught in one time in their entire life. And they followed Jesus. That comes from the Gospel of Luke in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the third book book—and there, Luke chapter 5. This account of Jesus where he's calling his first disciples out. Now I'll tell you one of the things, one of the disciplines that I'm not good at in doing in my spiritual life is memorizing scripture. I have some memorized, but I need to memorize more. And I have good intentions a lot of times. And I said, well, I'm going to memorize this one and then I start on it for a while and then I forget. or I wanna And I could just do better. Because what the Bible tells me is that if I hide the Word of God in my heart, and it's not really just hide to keep it from people, but if I store up the Word of God in my heart, one of the reasons that I want to do that is so that I will not sin against God. Because when I know His Word in my head, it can transcend down to my heart, and it can change the way that I live. It can change how I interact with other people. It can affect how patient I am or how patient I am not with others. It can allow me to be more like Jesus when I know His Word. You and I live in a place where it's really easy to grab a Bible and to pull it out and pull it out on our phones or wherever or read it or have it on the screen, and that's awesome and that's great, and I'm glad that we have it. If you don't even feel like reading, you can just turn on your phone and it can read you an audio app or you're driving to work or driving to the groceries or whatever. You can have the Word of God proclaimed. But what I need to do more, and maybe you feel like this too, I need the Word of God in me more. I need to know more of it. And I think I think one of the good ways that we can do that is memorizing verses of the Bible are great and it is good, and that is something that we should do as Christians. I think another thing that we can do that will benefit us as well is if we memorize the stories in the Bible. Because what stories do, you tell somebody, let me tell you a story, and when you go, oh, I'll listen to what this is, maybe it's good, maybe it's not, maybe it's funny, maybe. Well, you tell somebody, hey, let me tell you a story, they want to listen. And when I tell you, I want to tell you a story, and I'm telling you a story about Jesus from God's Word, it's not a fable, it's not fiction, it's not made up. But it's true. And one of the reasons I think that we don't memorize Scripture, at least that I don't, is because it's hard and I'm lazy. Okay? Just to be real honest, it's hard to do that, and I'm lazy sometimes, and I don't want to do what I should do. I don't want to do the things that are going to benefit me the most. But I should. And that's why God has told us and told you and commanded us as his people to to hide his word in our hearts to protect us. And that's why God gave it to us. So along with, not in place of, Along with knowing what God's word says, spending time in it, reading it, memorizing it. I think memorizing Bible stories so that you know what Jesus did with his disciples. Now, that doesn't replace us picking up our Bibles and reading that, okay? This is just another tool for us. Because sometimes what happens when you're memorizing a verse of scripture or a couple passages together, you forget like one key word and then you just blank out. And you're like, and you can't get to that next place. But if I plan out in my head as I spend time in God's Word, if I'm reading Luke chapter 5, this place where Jesus comes out and he calls his disciples, if I remember this story, I can track along. You know, how often did you go to a a movie and you watch a movie and afterwards you either liked it or you didn't or it was in the middle and somebody says, hey, Richard, tell me about that movie. And you can turn around and tell them the plot and tell them what happened. Okay, how often do we sit down and we read our Bibles or we come and hear a lesson or we hear a sermon and you leave church and somebody says, oh, what did you learn about in church? And you go, Don't know. I've been there, okay? I've taught and I've done that too, all right? But what stories are powerful. That's why Jesus taught in stories. And maybe you feel like you can't remember, memorize big passages of scripture, but you can remember stories. You can remember true, true, divinely inspired that God protected, that He put in our Bibles, that we are to know, that we are to understand. That we are to live out. You can remember those. You can do what I just did, talking to other people about Jesus from Luke chapter 5. You can. It'll take some work. You can remember points in the story as far as what happened. You can do that. I think one of my jobs and one of Jeff's jobs and any Christian leader's jobs to do is to equip the saints to do the work of ministry. There's lots of Christianese tied up in those words, okay? To help coach, to help train you, Christians, to tell others about Jesus. That's my primary function in the job that I'm so blessed that I get to do. That's why when we talk about what a disciple is, a disciple is someone who loves God and others, bears fruit and equips others for service, trains, coaches people to tell others about Jesus, for ministry, for life, for work. And that's one of the things that together we do as the church and I think we become better and stronger as the church when we're teaching both what Jesus did and the way that he did it and Jesus taught people through stories why because he tells somebody hey you want to hear a story oh like, yeah people listen and they pay attention when we talk about stories and you may not get it perfectly because guess what I didn't either but you'll get the heart and the gist of what Jesus was trying to do because Jesus captured people's attention through stories. Now I'm going to pick up my Bible and I'm going to read to make sure I didn't do anything I'm not supposed to do. Right or say anything or leave something out because I don't want to divorce what I'm doing from God and His Word that is inspired that I do need to use as my foundation for what I know and what I believe and what I teach and what I pray and what I sing about and how I live and all this stuff. So it's from the Gospel of Luke. This Luke was a physician. It tells us right here in Scripture, and he set out to tell and to record an orderly account and write it to someone named Theophilus so that Theophilus would have a detailed foundation for his belief and the things that he has been taught. And God used that desire that Luke had and, well, you really say that he put it there and inspired by the Spirit, that letter that Luke wrote to Theophilus, a person became what is the gospel of Luke in our Bibles, protected by God for us so that I could open it, so that I could read about Jesus and that I could know better about him. One of the things I love about the gospel of Luke is it continues. Luke part two is the book of Acts in the New Testament, in the history book about where the church started and founded and the works, the acts of the apostles, the things that the apostles did, so then they make sense. Anyway, so Luke chapter 5, let me read this for you. Because you'll notice that there's something different. You, we can read it to one another, but there's something different when you can just look somebody in the eye and tell them about Jesus. When you can just smile and have a good time and say, hey, guess what, Jesus loves you. Okay, Luke chapter 5, verse 1. verse 5 and Simon answered Master we toiled all night and took nothing but at your word I will let down the nets and when they had done this they enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and to help them and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink but when Simon Peter saw it he fell down at Jesus knees saying depart from me for I am a sinful man the Lord, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything. And they followed him. You know, there's a bunch of facts and things that we can learn from this story of Jesus. From these 11 verses from Luke chapter 5. Uh, We can learn that Simon was a fisherman. We can learn that his partners were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and they at least had two boats in their little fishing co-op that they had, trying to support their families and make money and take care of things. We also learned that they had fished all night, and what did they catch? Nothing. A tennis shoe, a tire, an old Christmas tree, I don't know what they caught. Or they didn't catch anything. But what happens is that Jesus shows up, From at least from my perspective, and maybe I'm reading a little bit too much into this, he shows up when they're dog-tired, and he asks them to do something. I think, well, I know, that God is the same yesterday and today and forever, and God does not change. And his word does not change, and his truth does not change. So I have to think the way that Jesus came and interacted with his disciples and with other people that you can read about in the New Testament is the same way that he's going to come and he's going to interact with me. They'd been fishing all night. And first, really, Jesus asked them for a favor. He said, let me get in your boat and push off so I can teach. And they did. And after he was done teaching, I don't know how long it lasted, he said, hey, push out and we'll we're, we're go fishing. And they say, we've worked hard all night, but we didn't catch anything. Maybe from these fishermen's perspective, Jesus showed up and he offered them a solution when they thought there was no solution. They worked, probably just not for fun, not doing it as a hobby on the side, even though they could have enjoyed it. And it's great when you can't enjoy your work and what you do. But they said, we fish these waters. We know these waters. We've been fishing them our whole lives. We didn't catch anything. And we need to catch stuff because that's how we take care of us and our families. But Jesus shows up to them, and I think this is true for them, and it's probably true for you. Maybe just at the time that you're ready to give up, Jesus is going to show up. Maybe just when you're ready to give up, Jesus is going to show up. He did that. They were done. They'd come back. that They were washing their nets. And Jesus came to them when they were tired. And maybe, just maybe, I have to think that Jesus waited until they were tired, to show up, because God is never surprised or taken off by anything. And he showed up at this time, I think, for a very specific reason. And maybe he waited to show up until they were tired, because maybe they didn't have the energy to push back or fight back, and they said, fine, okay, I'll do it, just leave me alone after that. Uh, Okay, I'm reading stuff in here. But there were people just like you and I are people. We get tired and we work and we have good days and bad days. We get frustrated. We have aches and pains and hurts. And it affects us and it affects how we deal with other people. It affects our relationships. It affects how we deal with God. And even how I'm willing to listen to what he has to say. And even when I'm not willing to listen to what God has to say. So, like I said, God showed up when they were ready to give up. And I think maybe sometimes God waits until that moment, to sh- not to show up, but for you to see him in your life, because God's always there. He is not absent. Some of that vernacular is kind of backwards, okay? I don't want to teach bad theology about Because God is always there. He is there for you. He is there to care for you, to take care of you, but to teach and rebuke and do all the things that a good father would do. But I think maybe sometimes I can't see it. I can't see Jesus and how He is going to work until I'm dog-tired and all my defenses are broken down. And maybe it's in that moment or in that season that Jesus responds and He says, Hey, I want you to do this. And you know what? It's okay to not understand. Maybe even sometimes it's okay to not want to do it, but sometimes we have to press on and do it anyway because we know that God... And his son wants what's best for me. I think I want what's best for me, but a lot of times my actions uh, tell me the opposite because I can tell you what's most important to me, but my behavior is really what tells you what's most important. Okay? What I say I believe is one thing. What I act and I live out is really the reality of things. Um, g- we've got to live out our values. God always wants what's best. And what's best isn't what's easiest, what's most comfortable, what's most convenient. What Jesus keeps doing is he goes to keep performing miracles. This was a miracle. They caught these fish. Even before that, Jesus had healed some and he was teaching in the synagogues. And he heals a couple others in Luke chapter 5. He heals a leper and he heals a paralytic. Then he goes on and he calls another one of his disciples. Um, Towards the end of Luke chapter 5, I'm going to start reading verse 27. Just read us another account. Luke 5:27 to 32 After this he went out and he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting in the tax booth and he said to him follow me and leaving everything he rose and followed him And Levi made him a great feast in his house and there was a large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. In these stories from one chapter in God's great love story for you that we call the Bible, God calls his disciples and they follow him. Do you think the disciples fully understood? In fact, we can say unequivocally they did not. They didn't understand. Read the rest of the, They didn't get it. They didn't understand. They didn't know what was going to happen. But when Jesus calls you to do something, you, may, you just need to do it. I know a lot of us like to, well, I just need to process through that. I, Jesus, I need a minute i got to weigh the pros and the cons and make a list and call somebody else and text my dad and ask my cat what they think I should do. Because, right, sometimes we get desperate looking for advice or attention from other people. Don't ask cats how to do anything. They're worthless. All right, we're stopped. Um I have two cats in my house, and we love them. Okay. But what we need to seek is when God tells us to do something, just to do it. Now, I'm not so naive to think that maybe they didn't ask Jesus any questions, but it doesn't say it in here. He said, Come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. From now on you will fish for men. And they left everything and they followed him. They didn't say, Let me get my life in order first. Let me just they followed because they could tell that there was something that's different. And when Jesus grabs a hold of your heart, he's gonna say, Come and follow me, just do it. And Jesus will guide you along the way. I don't know what your life's looking like right now, but maybe you're about ready to give up don't. Maybe it's in this season of life when you're about ready to give up that Jesus is going to show up in a way that you can see it. And as I know God in His Word, and as I read it, and as I can look other people in the face and tell them, or maybe I'm trying to tell somebody the story of Jesus and I completely blank out and I forget, then then what do I do? Just turn around and walk away and apologize? No. That was Luke chapter 5. Let's read it together. You see why it's so important to note what Jesus said and how he went about accomplishing his mission as the church. Now, Jesus promised us that the the apostles, his disciples, who he called, would be the foundation of the church that you and I are a part of today, and the enemy will not prevail against the church. Jesus wins every time. The church will not be defeated. As it was talked about in the Old Testament, in the book of Joshua, he says, I don't know about you, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You have to make a decision as to who you will follow and who your family will follow after. Because if it's not Jesus, it's a false idol you're following. And it's something that I promise will not fulfill you. It will not sustain you. And it will always let you down. God is the complete opposite of that. He will fulfill he will sustain. He will heal. He will restore. Not according to my timetable, but His. Not according to my will, but His. And I can trust Him. I can trust Him because He told me that He loved me. And He proved it by what Jesus did on the cross. And that work continued through the church, which you and I are a part of today, which is why it's so important to know what we believe and to live it out. I'm going to pray. Pray. Would you bow with me, please? God, thank you for your love for us, for your desire to be with us, God, to invest in us, to care for us when we're unlovable, when we're selfish, God, when we ignore you, when we treat you like garbage. God, you are always there. And God, I'm grateful for that. God, I pray that we never use the grace that you extend to us as an an excuse to sin or to ignore what you're teaching us. God, your word is so deep. And there's so much we can understand. We I hope pray that everyone here spends the rest of our life trying to better understand your word. But God, also, we can pick it up and just read it and know, God, what we, what you want us to do. God, you teach us what we need, when we need it, sometimes way before that. God, I pray that everyone here, that we pay attention, that I pay attention as you're trying to teach me because I believe you are alive and well and active, God, and you are involved in our life. And God, you want nothing more than for us to bring a whole boatload of people with us into your kingdom. God, use us to point others to Jesus. God, may that be the desire of our heart and what we do, that we grow in our faith and we bring new people along the way. God, thank you for teaching us. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us in stories, things we can remember. God, things we can understand and things we can tell to other people. God, I'm so grateful for your word and for your people and for your spirit. With that, God, that is all we need. God, may we use that to follow you, to honor you in all that we do. In the name of Jesus, I pray. And together, all of God's people say,